Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Den of Geek podcast, featuring commentary on the latest news from denofgeek.com, as well as other behind-the-scenes content from your favorite movies, TV shows, and more. Welcome, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave, and this is episode one of our bi-weekly podcast for the second half of January 2018, where we've got some Oscars buzz, a little TV casting news, and a lot more. Including, in fact, a, a little bonus item that we want to share with you as we will each podcast. And this episode's bonus item is an interview with Tig Notaro of One Mississippi, the recently canceled One Mississippi, sadly. It was canceled after two seasons on January 18th, but our own Daniel Curland has an interview that he wants to share with you uh, with the star of that show. And I hope you guys are, are ready for this podcast because we're going to be coming at you every two weeks, like Dave said. And it's going to be something that we'll get comfortable with, figure out how it's going to work. But the basics of it are we're just keeping it short, something that you can easily digest, just basically to draw attention to some of the news and popular items or just things that caught our eye on the website. And since it's coming out every two weeks, you might just want to go ahead and subscribe to the Den of Geek podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, because it'll just show up there in your feed and you'll just get the latest news and maybe follow up by going to the website to read the articles that we talk about. Yeah. So hopefully this will direct you to some things that maybe you're interested in. Maybe you weren't sure you were interested in, didn't know about, whatever. And also just Dave and I commenting on something that maybe you already knew about. But And we're also going to share those bonus items. The interview is not the only type of thing that we'll add to our post-news segment. It's also going to be things like some discussions with the editors at Den of Geek about topics that they are knowledgeable about. We'll also be able to share some audio from set visits that we go to. Now, Dave, you've never been on a set visit, but I've been to a few, and it's a lot of fun. But we record so many things that end up in written articles and then the audio just kind of sits on the hard drive. <laughs> so it'll be great to have a venue to share some of this behind-the-scenes audio that many of the Den of Geek staff have been able to gather. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've certainly lived vicariously through your set visits and, and certainly seen some of the photographs you've taken. But as you said, the audio's there. Why not let people hear it? So we'll definitely be sharing some with you very soon and with every two weeks as a format Hopefully, you'll be able to anticipate what we've got coming. But let's go ahead and get into the news for this week. Well, one of the news items that caught my eye, Dave, was the fact that Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer, who are best known for their team up in The Help in 2011, it looks like they're going to be reuniting in a Christmas comedy. It's not titled yet. But Universal and Fox and Paramount were fighting over this <laughs> this team up to have a comedy between these two. 
And it's going to be based a little bit on the same format that you might have remembered from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, that great comedy with Steve Martin and John Candy in it. It's going to have that same flavor to it, sort of a road trip buddy comedy kind of thing. And it's something that will showcase Chastain and Spencer in their comedic styles, and they're just trying to get home for Christmas And it's just kind of an interesting thing because these two, Chastain and Spencer, since The Help came out in 2011, have really showed up everywhere, but they've also got a lot of projects that are just still hanging in the wind, some of which are genre fair. You and I, Dave, are sci-fi fans, and Chastain is going to be doing a video game adaptation of The Division. She's got a sci-fi action film based on Painkiller Jane, which already saw some uh, TV adaptations. And she's also going to be, of course, in the Fox Marvel movie sequel, X-Men Dark Phoenix. But then even Spencer is just coming off her appearance in The Shape of Water, which got all kinds of Oscar nominations. And she's going to be in the Ascendant TV movie, which is the conclusion to the Divergent series. So these ladies have got a lot going for them comedically, acting-wise, and genre-wise. So can't wait to see what uh, this team-up for the Christmas comedy is going to look like. Yeah, and Christmas movies, particularly comedies, they're they're not as easy to crank out because we do have such a library of them, and so many of them are good. And as you said, it, it's like a buddy road trip movie that takes place at Christmas. So yeah, looking forward to it. And if you want to read more about what Chastain and Spencer are up to, you can read the article about the Christmas movie, the up- upcoming Universal project from Joseph Baxter on the website. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about Christopher Nolan, who science fiction fans have long been aware of, such mind-bending films as Memento, Inception, Interstellar, all three of which I'm still not sure I understand them, but love them nonetheless. Of course, there are the three Batman films, including The Dark Knight, but despite the popularity of his work at the box office and among fans and critics, the Academy has yet to recognize his work with an Oscar statue. So hopefully that's going to stop this year. So after, I I think it's fair to say, glaring snubs with Inception and The Dark Knight, Nolan's World War II tale of the Dunkirk rescue mission has garnered eight nominations, including one for Best Director. Oh, well-deserved, yeah. Yes. That's just a story that is so dramatic and it, and it was begging to be adapted for the screen. Yeah, and certainly his films garner a lot of attention, but he did receive a best adapted screenplay nomination for 2001's Memento, but there were a lot in the Hollywood community that thought the Academy really didn't even consider him for best director that year because he was so young and a relative newcomer on the scene, which is kind of sad. Additionally, the critically acclaimed and box office darling Dark Knight was overlooked in the best picture category, and Nolan once again left out of the running for best director. So you, you see where we're kind of headed here, that, that he's getting a chance, maybe. So <laughs> yeah. while fans like us still shake their heads at the exclusion of 2010's Inception, even that film did receive nominations in eight categories, including best picture, but no nomination for best director, which given the nature of that film is particularly troubling. So let's fast forward to the 2017 nominations. The fact that Dunkirk and Nolan have been recognized in eight categories, as we said, including best picture, best director. So now the question is whether Academy voters are going to acknowledge Nolan's work 
this time around. And, and of course, that remains to be seen. And you know, obviously, there are some fine films in contention. But here with Dunkirk, it's to me, it's his ability to totally immerse the viewer in the action that sets it apart from the other contenders. I always have a soft spot in my heart for Christopher Nolan because of Memento, which really got my time travel heart pumping back at a time when there wasn't much of that kind of fare, especially of that level of complexity to be enjoyed. All right. Now, uh, certainly one question has been, can World War II epic films like Dunkirk continue to fill theater seats? I mean, yeah. it's not Star Wars, but it has brought in over $500 million domestically. And though by all measures, Nolan should be recognized for his brilliant directing, the the sad fact is he's probably going to lose again, albeit to some good films and good directors. But Including the aforementioned Shape of Water. Yes, yes. And, and, and if that's the case, I'll be okay with that. Because <laughs> really, a lot of the other ones, in my opinion, required only a fraction of the vision and technical mastery that, that Nolan displays in Dunkirk. But it's just difficult to sit back and watch Christopher Nolan's work get passed over time and again. So if you want to check out Dunkirk and why the Christopher Nolan nomination matters by Don Kay, you know, check it out on the Den of Geek website. And I think you'll find even more than we just talked about. Right. And I definitely think that there's a lot of stories that are coming out of these nominations and we'll be sure and follow up with some Oscar coverage once we hear about the winners and once the Oscars uh, comes through. All right, well, let's talk a little bit of TV next, Dave, because there's a couple of things that I am looking forward to because of the transition that's being made between CW shows. And there's always a lot of crossover episodes, but this is something completely different. And that's the fact that Keenan Lonsdale's character, Kid Flash, on The Flash, Wally West is his real name, is about to go from forgotten sidekick to literal legend because it was recently announced that he would be joining the time-traveling super team on Legends of Tomorrow. And in fact, of course, the character on The Flash had pretty much seen his character arc completed because he was transformed and trained into the hero he always aspired to become. And so there really wasn't much left for him to do once Barry got back from his hiatus in the Speed Force. So after an appearance in December's Crisis on Earth X... Wally was abruptly pulled from the series, and the excuse that was given on the show was that he was going on a sojourn in Cambodia. <laughs> but although Legends of Tomorrow is making its mid-season return on February 12th, in fact, it's going to be taking over Supergirl's time slot because that show is going on hiatus. But uh, the debut of Wally West will occur the following week in episode 11, airing on February 19th. And then he's reportedly going to be joining the team in full in, in an official capacity two episodes later, episode 13, which will be on March 5th. So looking forward to having that whole filled, especially because, of course, Victor Garber's departure from the show really left a giant hole in the team, right? Yeah. And, and you know, thinking about Wally's character, hopefully, as I recall, he was a real car nut and worked on cars. So maybe he'll have a cool car you know, <laughs> maybe not as uh cool as ghost riders but cool nonetheless <laughs> yeah marvel versus dc there but yeah exactly you know obviously there's going to be a lot of different iterations of legends of tomorrow there's a uh, lots of possibilities for switching things up but really when firestorm left because of course it wasn't just victor garber that left it was also um jefferson jackson that left the team as well but 
there is some more additions being teased, such as Matt Ryan's John Constantine. And so this Kid Flash is an exciting prospect of what could be, you know, the evolution of the Legends of Tomorrow team. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Legends of Tomorrow will return from its mid-season hiatus, like I said, on Monday, February 12th at 8 p.m. And if you want to read more about that, Joseph Baxter has you covered. Just search for Kid Flash on denofgeek.com. All right, well, let's talk a little Netflix because you know everybody that's into television these days has Netflix or... <laughs> and they're all watching at least one show on that <laughs> streaming service, right? Exactly. So Netflix continues to make a name for itself in the science fiction realm, presenting series like Dark, Stranger Things, certainly all the Marvel series, Black Mirror. But some fans, and I'm certainly one of them, often overlook the animated series that appear on the streaming service. Fans did not overlook, however, the four-episode first season of Castlevania that streamed on Netflix in 2017. Based on the popular video game that debuted in 1986 on the NES platform, we found out that a second season is going to feature eight episodes and drop during the summer of 2018, according to a tweet from writer Warren Ellis, which is great news. Uh, Dude, I don't know if you've seen it. I really like it a lot. I haven't seen it yet, but I have very fond memories of playing Castlevania on the NES back in college when uh, one of my dorm mates had the system. I wasn't allowed to have one of those systems growing up in my family, but yeah, lots of nostalgia attached to that property. So technically, the first season of the Netflix series is based on Castlevania III Dracula's Curse, which was released in 1989. But Previous exposure to the long-running game franchise is not necessary for anyone who wants to jump on board now, and I can certainly vouch for that because I have no experience with the game. Although, yeah, thank goodness. Well, I started searching for it after I uh, – all the principal participants of the show's first season appear to be on board for Castlevania Season 2, which means showrunner Adi Shankar, writer Warren Ellis, voice actors Graham McTavish, who you may know from Preacher and Outlander, Richard Armitage from Hannibal and Berlin Station, James Callis, Battlestar Galactica, 12 Monkeys. Oh, cool. Alejandra Reynoso from Winx Club. All of them are going to reprise their respective on and off screen roles. So that's great news. Now, at this point, there are no plot details that have been revealed, but it appears likely that it's going to pick up where season one leaves off. And there's also no word on whether showrunner Adi Shankar's work on the recently announced Assassin's Creed anime is going to impact the production schedule of Castlevania's next season. There's another one that I need to get into, and that's Assassin's Creed. I have a friend that just, have you gotten it yet? <laughs> Video game based as well. So there yeah. you go. And, and in fact, there are rumblings that Assassin's Creed may be coming to Netflix at well. So at first glance, Netflix's version appears to be a traditional tale of good versus evil. However, like the game, Vampire Hunter Trevor Belmont sets out to fight Dracula as the iconic vampire unleashes his army upon humanity. But the season one story arc quickly becomes much more involved, much more complex as the intricacies of the characters emerge. Now, fans of season one likely felt it ended a bit abruptly, but, you know, after it was learned that Castlevania was originally produced as a feature film before Netflix came on the scene, it's a little more understandable. And, you know, I think those criticisms are able to be put off when you learn that. Now, 
Matthew Bird's review of Castlevania's first season is available to read on Den of Geek, as is his updated Netflix's Castlevania Season 2 is coming in summer 2018. You can check that out on Den of Geek as well. All right, yeah, and I, I actually like how Den of Geek has these hubs of information that are updated regularly, so you can always go back and see the latest trailer, the latest information for casting, and then even links to reviews if they have episodic reviews for the season. So that's a good thing to have. Well, speaking of Netflix, though, there seems to be a predominance of sci-fi shows, including some on Netflix, taking place in Germany. Have you noticed that, Dave? I have. (laughs) We've got Dark on Netflix, which actually is in German. You have to get the subtitles or dubbing for that one. But there's also Counterpart, which just started on Stars. That's set in Berlin as well. So now there's a new movie coming to Netflix called Mute which also uses Berlin as a backdrop. And it's in that same noir style as some of these other recent television offerings, including Altered Carbon, which is coming on February 2nd. It's a cyberpunk adaptation, which starts in February. And, you know, Mute has that kind of Blade Runner kind of feel to it as well. So if you don't know what this movie is about, Mute is about a mute bartender named Leo played by Alexander Skarsgård. Do you recognize that name, Dave? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know him from, I can't remember the series. I watch it with my wife now. Well, I'll tell you what I remember him from very fondly. My favorite vampire on True Blood, Eric Northman. <laughs> oh, right. Absolutely. And so this film... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Is set in the near future in which Leo is looking for his missing girlfriend. Now, part of the journey of trying to find her brings him across these wisecracking American surgeons, and they're played by none other than Paul Rudd of Ant Man and Justin Thoreau from The Leftovers. So it seems like there's going to be a comedic element to it, too, maybe some dark comedy. <laughs> and it's directed by famed Warcraft director Duncan Jones who co-wrote the film with Sherlock Holmes writer Michael Robert Johnson. And that's the movie version of Sherlock Holmes, not the BBC version. But, I mean, Duncan Jones is not known specifically for Warcraft. He actually got his name from a small film called Moon, which starred Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell will also be having a small part in Mute, as will Noel Clark, who played Mickey on Doctor Who from back in season one. Oh. And, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting cast here. And an interesting backdrop, having Germany in the background. And Eric Northman, uh, you know, Alexander Skarsgård, not being able to speak. 
So I just think this is a really cool premise. And the fact that I really enjoyed Dark on Netflix and am currently reviewing Counterpart on Stars, I'm really kind of getting a feel for Germany these days. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And and by the way, that film was Big Little Lies that Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> okay. is in, which is not genre, but it's still a great series as well. But yeah, I mean, Dark, and it's funny because I did watch it with the uh, dubbing and while the dubbing wasn't great and it certainly didn't match up a hundred percent with the subtitles <laughs> yeah it, it was still you know I, I think that's the way i'll go with season two as well all right so if you want to learn more about mute uh you can just go to denofgeek.com slash us slash mute it's kind of written by a bunch of different staff members at den of geek that have contributed to that article so i just think it sounds like a lot of fun and hopefully you guys will have a chance to check it out all right sounds good all right so for our last news item, though its viewership numbers did not hit the heights hoped for by the Sci-Fi Channel. Nonetheless, Winona Earp was renewed for a 12-episode third season and has begun filming in Calgary and Southern Alberta. And if you watch the show, you just get that sense that, no, this is not Toronto, this is not Vancouver, which we all know so many of our shows are filmed in those two locales. Now, if you don't know the show, we follow the reluctant demon hunter, Winona Earp, who finds herself as the heir to the Earp curse. And in this case, Winona and actress Melanie Scrifano, who plays Winona, find themselves able to cast aside pregnancies that affected the previous <laughs> season for both actress and character. Exactly. So, that was a really neat twist that, that they had in season two, working in Melanie's real life pregnancy, but keeping it in the dark until the very last minute. Yeah, and it's really amazing how some shows handle that really well, and some really drop the ball. And I'm not going to mention a show that I still love, <laughs> but they really dropped the ball this past season with that. Showrunner Emily Andres, who really has established herself as a fan favorite along with the characters, spoke about the upcoming season and how Winona will be affected moving forward. And she says in an interview, we have a lead character who is essentially a superhero who's had to give up her baby in order to protect her. What that leads us back to is a more fierce and determined, even kamikaze type Winona Earp. She's back in fighting form. She's drinking her whiskey and firing her guns. But now she has this thing haunting her. And for me, one of the first things I thought of, okay, you're not the first genre heroine who had to give up her child to protect it. X-Files, Dana Scully <laughs> has never seen the child she gave birth to since sending him into hiding some 16 years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they handle this. And really, I, I have high hopes for that because there's really been some great writing on Winona Earp. Now, we mentioned season three, and it was announced at the 2017 San Diego Comic-Con during a panel that included Melanie Scrifano, Shamir Anderson, who plays Agent Dolls, Tim Rosen, who plays Doc Holliday, Dominique Provost-Chalkley, who plays Waverly, who's also Winona's sister, Catherine Barrel, Officer Nicole Hott, Varun Saranga, Jeremy, Tamara Duarte, who plays Rosita, and, and then, of course, Andres was there, and comic book creator Bo Smith, because this is another show that is based on a graphic novel. That's a big panel. <laughs> It is a big panel. So you may know Andres from Lost Girl, Killjoys, and she developed this series in conjunction with Bo Smith and IDW. 
Winona Earp will once again air on sci-fi in the U.S. and looks to return in the summer of 2018. So if it's any help, season one aired between April and June, season two between June and August. So, you know, somewhere in that time frame. And if you want to keep up with Winona Earp developments, Michael mentioned the Den of Geek Hubs, and he happens to maintain the one for Winona Earp, so you can check that out. I was going to say, this sounds very familiar. (laughs) I reported that very recently. But yeah, I I just think it was great how the writers had to regroup as soon as Melanie announced her pregnancy, right before season two started filming. So they had to rewrite a lot of scripts. It makes me wonder if they have some stories maybe that were in the uh, vault that they could pull out that weren't able to be used for season two. And now they can use them. (laughs) So I I would certainly think so. (laughs) That'd be great. All right. Well, that's some great TV news and movie news that we were able to share with you. And hopefully you guys were able to enjoy that through this podcast and a little bit later on the website, uh, as you read through some of these articles in more detail, but one story that we were bringing to you via an interview that happened a while ago is Daniel Curlin's interview with Tig Notaro. Now, Daniel Curlin had a podcast here on Den of Geek called TV IV, which covered a lot of comedy television. And he had so many interviews on that podcast that he was really running out of them too quickly by having a full-blown podcast. So now he's going to be doling them out a little bit more slowly through this podcast. And I'm so happy he's able to share these with us. And this interview that he had with Tig Notaro happened during season two. And of course, it was quite a surprise when Amazon canceled One Mississippi. It was very well received. And Tig Notaro will share a little bit about how that success came to be. So let's go ahead and turn it over to Daniel Curland, who will tell us all about One Mississippi and Tig Notaro. We're currently living in a very fortunate age for television where there aren't only more avenues than ever for content, but that content usually gets the opportunity to thrive. There were definitely periods like 10 or 15 years ago where TV shows would constantly be getting canceled. I mean, the medium has become a lot more adventurous in recent years, which is why it's all the more jarring when an excellent television series does get canceled. I mean, it still does happen. So Amazon recently announced that they would be canceling Tignataro's One Mississippi in addition to some other programs too, and it's certainly a bit of a shock. So I got the chance to talk to Tignataro about the second and now final season of her show, which follows a somewhat autobiographical look at her life. With the series getting the axe, now feels like the perfect time to check out the two seasons of the honest, courageous, hilarious show. So here's my talk with Tig to remind everyone how special One Mississippi was, or to push newcomers to check it out if they haven't before. The first season sort of focuses on your illness and sudden changes in life, and obviously all of that stuff is still very much with you, but was it nice to sort of move into new territory this year? Oh, yeah. It it was so nice. The more the show gets fictionalized, the more more free I feel. It's interesting you say that, because, like, last season felt incredibly genuine and honest, and that same feeling is present this season, even though you are pushing more into fictional stuff. So, like, our experiences from the season still being pulled from real life? Like, how do you guys go about writing? Well, I mean, even if things are fictional, as far as my life is concerned, it's always rooted in truth and honesty, and that's because it came from somebody in the room. 
Right. Somebody experienced that or felt that or something along those lines. And so I feel like that's why it reads so real and true. Yeah, absolutely. You're directing this season too, which is pretty cool. What's that been like for you? That like crazy one in the season premiere where like Tig's going through all that adventure when reuniting with Kate is like a really awesome sequence. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I had so much help from everybody on set and the DP, my friend Rhett, I've worked with for years on different projects and he's just so talented and, and uh, amazing and but it was so fun to, to direct an episode, and I hope if there's another season that I can do more. But I'm not feeling ready to go off and do other TV shows sure. that are mine where I don't have the cushion of my wife and my friends surrounding me. But, yeah. um, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe it'd be easier because I'm not starring in it as well. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I definitely enjoyed it. And I had done my own short film a couple of years ago, so I, I got a taste of it then. Right. Very cool. Is there anything that you learned from the first season that, like, influenced any other decisions that you guys were making in season two? I think the main lesson that I learned was that I need to make myself happy and explore what I want for my show, first and foremost. And if I'm headed down the wrong path, that's fine, but... I need to listen to myself, which I I did do on the first season, but there were a few bumps in the road. Sure. But yeah, I think just that general idea of listen to yourself and your gut and check things out first before you move on. Cool. Talk a little on the idea of like having both Remy and Bill getting into new relationships around TIG. Like everyone seems to be dealing with romantic changes this year. Yeah, it just seems like a fun or obvious route to go, not obvious in a boring way, but just all of these characters needing love so desperately. And in real life, my stepfather said he would never date or be with anyone ever again after my mother died. And so it was a fun opportunity to see him actually get to date on the show and see what that was what that would be like. And same for my brother. I mean, and, and that's the that's the other thing of the fictionalized world is getting to experience situations with these people, my family members that I, I wouldn't get to or haven't necessarily, but it's still, I get so much out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're both really like sweet, genuine relationships to watch play out. It's like a really nice part of the season. Oh, thanks. I guess just on your side of love, too, love that this season, like, you see so much of the relationship between, like, Tig and Kate growing, and that it's kind of like a fairly unconventional, authentic examination of a love story. Just talk about, like, the decision to embrace that this season, and how much you're pulling from your actual relationship with Stephanie and all that. Well, I mean, so much is pulled from our real relationship, and it's just kind of wedged into different storylines and situations and surroundings. There's plenty that we withheld, but um, it's really fun to sit back and watch us essentially fall in love on this show. Yeah. And it it was really fun to do with her as well, because I still am very much in love with her. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. really been a nice experience. Very nice. It, it almost like feels like it's more about Kate's journey and her figuring out stuff this year than it is like about Tig, which I think is pretty interesting too. Yeah, definitely. And that was 
that was the reality of our relationship, you know, really taking the time to authentically come together and figure out where we were and how we were feeling exactly and that things don't have to be black or white or 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 the way you thought it was or just to really check in with yourself. The first season of the show like explores the beauty of Mississippi, but this year like digs a little deeper into the community, like especially with what's been going on politically. And did that feel like part of your responsibility or like an important aspect that you wanted to portray this year? Like I mean, it's obviously very real stuff and like the stuff about like Great Americans Day is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we, we showed back up to the writer's room in January after the election, just full of just confusion and, and really having so much to talk about. And, and we just felt like it would be irresponsible to not go into the other side of Mississippi that wasn't so pretty. Yeah. And then it, it's just insane how as the days and minutes Tick by, it's getting way more timely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't, I mean, the show premieres on September 8th, and it seems like we just wrote this show two weeks ago and mm-hmm. made it really fast. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of crazy. Now that you have two seasons of the show done, do you have any idea of like what a third season might look like or how many years the show has in it? Or are you just having fun like figuring it out as you go along? Well, I think both. I, I definitely have probably five seasons mapped out in my head but okay. since it's only since they're only six episodes season it, I feel like it could go on forever yeah, that's um, a good point yeah do you see yourself heading off to New Zealand anytime in the future <laughs> well I've already been to New Zealand and it's beautiful and I loved it but you know I, I love my life here and I think there is plenty to stick around and work on and, and deal with in this country yeah. All right. Lastly, Tig, do you have just a particular standout episode or moment from this season that you're especially proud of? I mean, I just think that the way that we highlighted all of the different levels and ways that sexual harassment and assault can happen, I really think was done well. Yeah, I was going to say that's what stood out with me the most too and just that that's kind of what you end the season on too makes it be all the more like powerful and moving like it's a strong note to end on. Well thanks, I'm glad you felt that way. Yeah. Okay, well that was a great interview and it was interesting that you could hear kind of ironic in a way how Tignataro was talking about how she had five seasons mapped out made it a little bit more tragic to hear her say that. And of course, with her speculation on doing some other shows where this one was of course near and dear to her heart and semi autobiographical, it'll be interesting to see what she does moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, with only six episodes, I'm sure there's a lot of story still to tell. And, and again, in this day and age, maybe you shop it to one of the other streaming services. Who knows? Oh man, that would be great if they could pull something like that out. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Tignataro and the timeliness of that ending of season two with the sexual harassment and, and how that's now in the forefront. You know, you can hardly skip a week without seeing some story about someone being called out on sexual harassment in their past. So very timely and unfortunate that that show had to end. But I'm sure Daniel will be bringing us plenty of interviews in the future for our podcast from some of the comedy greats. And, and we're very much anticipating what he comes up with for us. 
But that's going to be it for this installment of the Den of Geek podcast. Join us again in a couple of weeks when we'll review the latest news from denofgeek.com and share some more behind-the-scenes content from your favorite television shows, movies, and more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, just to name a few. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.